one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. I've experienced a shit ton in the wrestling world and I've seen the good and I've seen the bad in people. And I just want to tell people like life is beautiful, life is tragic. You gotta embrace it all. today by well oh well now we can introduce you as a, as the the new impact tag team champion mike bennett's here how you doing mike i'm good i'm finally we are we're able to connect i feel like uh you were fine but i kept having to put off this interview because i have children and wrestling and i felt so bad every time i was like i really have to cancel on this guy again and i'm gonna seem like i just don't want to do this interview i'm so glad you reached out to me again i felt like such an ass but thank you <laughs> Thank you for I, allowing. Um, oh, dude, I'm nothing if not um, persistent. Ask, ask my good lady. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> I wore her down over many years, uh, and, and I've done the same to you, sir. Um, now, I was hoping, because like we said, well, this has been a while in the making, I, I was hoping to, to start the interview by uh, uh, with a rendition of, of, of CFO's True Love. Uh, however, <laughs> uh, you, as you're hearing, uh, this is post- clash at the castle i sound like i've swallowed a big bag of gravel so i won't today you'll just have to imagine it mike um but i, I do hear it you can, you can they, there it's there it's in the ether it's in the ether different time in, in your life and in Wait, your hope, career. I can already feel my push coming to an end. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know it's a, it's a it's a sort of contentious time in in your in your wrestling career and lots went on there. But that being said, Mike, true love is a banger. It oh. is. <laughs> it's so good. It's it's when they pulled so I didn't even hear it till we got to Money in the Bank that day. And so it was funny how it came about because I remember when they were asking what kind of theme song we wanted. I remember Maria had said to me, Billy Corgan suggested to me that you guys should come out to a love ballad. And I remember being like, I don't get it. I don't see it. What are you talking about? And then when WWE came up with this love ballad, they were like, do you want to hear it? And I was like, yes, I think I do. And then they played it. And I was like, this is the greatest song ever. Like, this isn't even a good wrestling song. This is just a banger of a song that I would play at a wedding or a like. It was just awesome. It was so much fun. That's the best part of the whole run. So, so with, you said that Billy Corgan had a similar idea for you. Is that during your TNA run? So, but that didn't really transpire. I don't believe. I'm trying to. Rem I can remember your TNA music, and it wasn't the the the, the, the romantic ballad that we know from WWE. No, believe it. And so people, I like, I think I have a pretty good track record with theme songs. For some reason, I feel like 
from Supper Unto Me at, at, at uh, Ring of Honor to the, the mix-up of the Kingdom song with the Adam Cole song and my Supper Unto Me song, which was just so rad. Like, that was so much fun to come out to at uh, New Japan. Um, and then at Impact, I actually had... So they asked me what I wanted for a song at Impact. And there's a song called Beast by... Um, I'm going to get the name of the group wrong. Nico Vega, I think they're called. And um, if you listen to that song... It's all the, the song impact gave me is almost like a rip, a complete rip off of that song, but they couldn't get the rights to it. So they just tweaked some things a little bit. I love that miracle theme song. And then WWE gave me just a, a killer song too. So I was like, I've been on a roll with, with good theme songs. I should just quit now while I'm there. <laughs> hey, look, look, the theme songs are a tiny part of, of, of what you do. Like you've been on a roll full stop since uh, stepping away from, uh, from WWE and, and finding your voice again uh, around the wrestling world. I want to talk all about that journey. But whilst we're there, Mike, uh, I want to talk about three wrestling matches that have a very special significance to you. Three matches that you would take with you uh, on a metaphorical trip to a desert island that you would happily sure. watch over and over and over again. We'll go through each match one by one as, as our time together continues. But what would you like your first one to be, Mike? So I'm going to say the first one, um, I'm going to kind of do it in order of how I fell in love with them. And so I think the first one, most of these matches or I would say all of these matches I fell in love with once I became a wrestler, because I feel like there's two different categories. You watch wrestling as a fan or you watch it as a worker and you have an eye for both when you're like, as a fan, when I was younger, I would look at matches entirely different than as a worker. And so this one was the first match I fell in love with as a worker. And it was uh, Mick Foley versus edge at WrestleMania in their hardcore match. Um, I, I, if anyone listens to me, two guys that I adore, Mick Foley and Edge. Mick Foley is the reason I became a wrestler because I watched him win the world title. I was there live to watch him win the world title for the first time. And Edge is someone that I completely fell in love with once I became a worker and I became a heel because I just admired what he was able to do. And I don't think he gets talked about enough in the sense that when he was a heel, he was trying to get over John Cena and John Cena was hated more than he was. And John Cena was the baby face. And so I don't think we remember how well Edge did his job to get people to hate him and like John Cena when people really wanted to hate John Cena. So I, th those two in this match doesn't surprise me because they're two of my favorites of, of all time. Can you remember where you were when you watched it? Yes, I was. Let me think. I, I was... Um, I believe I was at my parents' house when I watched it. I believe I was, don't, don't attack me here. I was in my parents' basement watching. <laughs> Typical. Typical wrestling Standard. In his parents' basement. And I believe I was watching it with a couple of other local workers at the time um, from New England. And I can't remember who it was, but I remember I was surrounded by other workers and just being, completely enthralled by it just like for a, because i remember thinking to myself um edge was like right on the cusp of being the next breakthrough thing and i feel like that match was what projected him to the next level because it made him look like a legit badass at the time uh, watching a match like that you talk about the difference between like watching it as a fan and watching it as a worker for those who, who who are in the position that you're in sort of what changed in the way that you perceive that match that, that you noticed it's it's so much honestly but like as a fan i think you watch and you're you're solely looking to be entertained like you're watching it and you're saying oh that was cool oh that's gross oh that's that's funny oh that's that's whatever blah 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 it's you're watching it on this roller coaster of emotions. As a worker, you're fascinated by how they piece the match together to try to get the best reaction out of the fans. So you're looking at the pacing of a match. You're looking at the tempo of the action. You're looking at how a guy is selling a certain move as opposed to how he's selling later on in the match. You're looking at literally every single movement his facial how he's breathing how he's moving how he's punching how he's kicking every single movement as a worker i am paying attention to because i'm a firm believer that 
you shouldn't have any wasted motion in a match, everything should mean something. So if I pick a guy up and I hit him with a forearm, there's a reason I'm doing that that's going to translate into something else later on in the match that I do. Um, I don't do moves just to do them. And I learned that from watching guys like Edge and Mick Foley and Brian and Nigel and other all these other great wrestlers that I admire so incredibly much. Um, and as a worker, you're watching that. But also as a worker, I think you're always in the back of your head thinking, what's that match for me? What is that match that's going to be that breakaway match? What's going to be that breakaway moment? So when you're literally sitting there watching another wrestler have their breakthrough moment, it's it's freaking awesome, man. Like, it's awe-inspiring. You're going, oh, shit, this is this guy's moment. This is this girl's moment. She's about to break through. You, I, get, I have goosebumps. You can feel it. You can legit feel it as a performer. And it's just like, there's nothing better. I love watching. I love, like, for myself, it's awesome. But to watch other people that you've had a help in and, like, motivating or inspiring them, and then to see them get that moment, it's it's the chef's kiss, my friend. You uh, credit Mick Foley as somebody that, that inspired you to be a part of wrestling. Can you remember the first time that you saw a Mick Foley match? Yes. Uh, I believe the first time, like, I ever... I was 12 years old and I had always heard of Mankind. I was familiar with him, but I didn't really like, I didn't become a diehard wrestling fan until I was in middle school. So I would dabble in like Hulk Hogan and all that stuff when I was five or six, but I quickly got over it. It wasn't until middle school and the Attitude Era that I really dove headfirst into pro wrestling. And it was uh, um, King of the Ring 98 and watching Mick Foley get thrown off the cell and then come back and get choke slammed through the cell and to see his teeth missing and to see the tooth in his nose and then to uh, go on the tacks and just to watch a man who literally his biggest gift to pro wrestling was how much he loved it and how much he was willing to do for pro wrestling. It was so inspiring to me because I remember going, oh, wow, there's someone whose sole purpose in wrestling and the reason he's so successful is because he loves this so much and he's willing to do anything for it. And that was inspiring to me. And that's why I fell in love with him. Cause I was like, I love wrestling that much. This is why I want to get into wrestling. I'll do anything for wrestling. And I, I fell in love with him ever since that moment. What would it have been though? Had it not been wrestling? Truthfully, mm. I don't know because at 13, I said to my dad after driving home from the Worcester Centrum Center that I was going to be a pro wrestler. So by 13, I had tunnel vision. And by 15, my parents were like, this isn't going away, is it? And I was like, no, I was handing them paperwork of like schools I could sign up to and stuff like that. And they're like, this, you're, you're serious about this. And I was like, yeah. And so they said, all right, here's the deal. If you go to college, some sort of a, a secondary school after high school, we will support you right now because I couldn't drive at the time. And so I got my associate's degree after high school. I held up my end. They held up their end. So I've never really, like, I went in, I got my associate's degree in criminal justice because my dad's a lawyer. So I was always like, all right, I'll do something in law. More so, this will appease my parents and shut them up so I can go and be a pro wrestler. Never really like, this is a, this is a path I'm going to take. As I got older, I can see myself trans, you know, kind of, um, moving into the field of motivational speaking and stuff like that. But that wasn't where my head was at at 17, 18 years old. I was, I didn't overcome drug addiction at seven and 18 and have this life story to tell back then. So truthfully, I don't have a clue. I think I'd be in some sort of performing arts just because I like performing, but man, I love the physical aspect of wrestling too. So, I mean, unless I was a clown that beat people up, I don't really know what the hell I'd be doing with my career. That must have been an interesting one because you say there was like a law degree that you did. Um, and something like that, you will be surrounded by people in your in your class that were laser focused on becoming barristers and solicitors and, and entering that legal field. Was that a strange time for you being around these people that were so, so uh, gung-ho with becoming legal where for you, it was kind of just something to appease your parents. Yeah, no, it, I don't think it was strange because I didn't, again, I had tunnel vision. I had blinders. This was like, in order to get to B, you have to complete A. So I was in, I was in A trying to get to B, 
with the sole focus of just get to be, just get to be, just get to be, complete this, complete this, complete this. I'm not even sure I was absorbing the information. I think I was just going through the motions, typing up the essays, do reading the books here. Boom. If you ask me now what I learned, I learned how to go to school. Like I learned how to get to class on time. As far as knowledge goes, absolutely nothing. Cause I was tunnel vision. It was like, cool. You're doing your own thing. You want to be a lawyer or a doc or a, a, a police officer or whatever the hell you want to be. That's awesome. Don't talk to me because I'm trying to get through this class because I want to be a pro wrestler. You were say at 13, that, that tunnel vision started. What did, what did Mike Bennett at 13 sort of envision his wrestling career being? Uh, not the way it's taken me. I can tell you that much. Um, my wrestling career, if it went the way I, I, I thought it was going to go by my mid twenties, I would have, uh, probably signed a contract with WWE as a development guy, either at OVW or, uh, um, where was the deep South or, uh, NXT when that was starting to come up. Um, and then I would have just gone through the steps of WWE. I wanted to be a WWE wrestler. That was it. I only had a dream to be a WWE wrestler. Everything else was getting to be a WWE wrestler. So as far as I'm concerned at the Mike Bennett at 13, 14 years old would have been like, you get to developmental system. You, you go through that. They bring you up to TV. Then you become a star. You re headline WrestleMania. If I can retire by the time I'm 35, 36, life is good. Let's ride off into the sunset and then I'll make appearances here or there. But here I am at 37 hitting the Indies harder than I hit them at 15 years old. So not the way I thought it was going to go. Who were some of those people that primed you? Because now you've done your thing. You've, you've appeased your parents and you are um, moving on now. You've, you, they're, they're helping you get into the wrestling world. Uh, I've, I've heard the name Steve Bradley thrown around when it comes to yourself. Um, talk to me about that first, those first couple of experiences in wrestling training and how they compared to what you thought they were going to be. Yeah, so I think a lot of people go through this. And um, I started out at a company where they had training, but it was kind of iffy at best. They were kind of local veterans who I love and I respect to this day, but they didn't really have the knowledge that other people in my field had at the time. So I started out there and then luckily I was introduced to a man named Brutal Bob Evans. And uh, he was the one who really started me off in training. So I started at this school that was kind of questionable but luckily I got hooked up with brutal Bob Evans and I went over to his school and he started teaching me ABCs of pro wrestling, how to put a match together, how to do everything in pro wrestling through Bob Evans. I was lucky enough to meet, uh, Steve Bradley, Kevin Kelly, all these people, um, that were able to take me then to the next level. Steve had just been let go by WWE. Um, and he was starting his own promotion WFA, which, picking his brain, being up there with the likes of Eddie Edwards and, and different guys at that time and just working with them and going through matches with them. It really took my um, wrestling knowledge from like a high school level to a college level. And then from college, it was like, go out on your own and do your own thing and start piecing it together. But it was definitely, I would say the biggest influences in my career early on. And, you know, not even, even to this day, because I just saw Bob at the NWA tapings last week and we still have very heart to heart conversations. Um, I still talk to Kevin Kelly all the time. I adore him. Um, and Steve Bradley, God rest his soul, his life lessons, believe it or not, have played such a huge role in my sobriety and who I am as a person. Um, and I truly wish to this day I could thank him for it and I can't, but these, th those three men were so pivotal starting out and now they're even more pivotal i think what's um what's a, what's a quote or a, or a message from steve bradley from the late steve bradley that you think of regularly uh in his brash very raspy voice um i can see him saying to me right before i go through the curtain don't suck <laughs> I like it. It's straight to the point. I love it. I absolutely love it because it's like this, this 
hit to the face of realism. You're about to go do it. But it's also this lighthearted comment that you need in pro wrestling to survive. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to try to suck, but thanks. Thanks for the heads up. Uh, it's, 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 it's sound advice. I think even if you're not a wrestler, uh, don't suck. I think it's something that a lot of people can take on board. So we'll take that from today. But uh, if I might, if I might add, just um, Steve was never really an advice or wisdom guy, but Steve had a problem with uh, substance abuse. And I think what I took away from him was that do not let wrestling overtake your life where it becomes so incredibly powerful that the only way to escape it is through some sort of a substance. He really made me see through his trials and tribulations that wrestling isn't the end all be all. That at the end of the day, friends, family, those are the things that matter. Wrestling will come and go and it don't mean anything at the end of the day. That's some solid advice. I like that. Um, there, he's as a, he's played a big part in in your journey back, and you're sort of carrying that torch with you now. And we'll touch on that in a little bit. Uh, but let's get to your second match then, Mike. So we had uh, Edge versus Mick Foley from WrestleMania for your first one. What's your second one going to be, sir? So my second one would be uh, Samoa Joe versus Kobashi uh, at Ring of Honor. Just because when I, so when I had left WWE or right, right around the time I was leaving or about to be fired from WWE, um, my love of pro wrestling styles completely shifted. And I started to truly fall in love with like that old school ring of honor, Noah, like early 2002, 2003, 2004, Noah, strong style. Because I was equating strong style to how I was living my life. And it was this idea that I could see strong style wrestling, not as two guys going in there and beating the shit out of each other and no selling it. I was looking at strong style as two, two guys, two girls, whatever it is, going in there, beating the living hell out of each other and fighting through the pain. Saying, I'm going to let you hit me, but I'm going to hit you fucking harder. And then I'm going to let you hit me and I'm going to fight through this. And then I'm going to hit you, hit you harder. Like watching Seamus at the, 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 the show the other night, like just the guy who's like, you can hit me, but I'm going to hit you harder and I'm going to fight through your pain. And I started equating that to my life where I was like, life is going to hit me, but I'll be damned if I don't hit this life harder. And I just started falling. Cause I was like, at first when I was younger, I was like, there's no storytelling in strong style. There's nothing to it. It's just two guys, no selling, beating the crap out of each other. Where's the art form in there? And then as I got older and started to understand pro wrestling before, and I started to fall in love with guys like Kobashi and Joe and Nigel and Brian and, and Kenta and Masawa. And I was like, wow, there is so much storytelling in this. There is so much selling in this that I can't believe I ever missed it. And Joe and Kobashi at that ring of honor show was the first, like I knew the match. I had seen the match, but this was the first time I sat down and I dissected the match as a worker. And it's, it's, it's close to as perfect as you can get to a match. Like it's uh, I think the next match I list is probably the most perfect match you can have, but this match it's, it's damn near close to it. A real turning point for ring of honor. Would you say? Oh, absolutely. A, more, a turning point for Joe, a turning point for ring of honor, a turning point just for that style of pro wrestling. Like it really made that style acceptable in the States, which I think was really cool. Guys had been, toying with it guys have been talking about it um guys were watching it but i think it was that match that made it acceptable for this to now take place in the united states ring of honor is a place which uh has a very special place in your heart uh, a lot of amazing work done there can you remember when the conversation started all those years ago about you joining ring of honor yeah so it actually it was again, here comes the name again, Kevin Kelly. Kevin Kelly started working for them and I had been working for 10 years. And he said something to me that really solidified why I wanted to work there. And this was after Steve had passed away. Um, and he knew how much Steve had meant to me. I mimicked my career after him, after, uh, how to be a heel. If you watch old Mike Bennett, you'll see me wearing the shitty bandana, just like Steve Bradley did. I, I, I would do his strut, I'd do his walk. I loved him. He said to me, Mike, I think you should come to this, this, they were doing the um, tryouts 
that they were holding at the school at the time. And it was the very first one. And he said, I think you should come to this. I think you're at the place in your career where you would fit well in Ring of Honor. And I also think if Steve was alive, this is where he would be, where he would be wrestling. And I was like, oh, sold. I'm there. Like 100%. I went to the seminar or the tryout. I did the tryout. Jim Cornette, uh, Delirious, they all pulled me aside at the time. And they were like, uh, yeah, we, we like you. I did a, um, my wife is coming home now with my daughter. So there they are. <laughs> Hi, Hello. guys. Hi. You're okay. This is, everyone's home from daycare. Say hi, Freddie. Well, hi. Everybody. Hi, everybody. Hi. How, how are we doing? Are we good? Oh, wonderful. How was daycare? Did you have a lovely day? Did you have a good day at daycare? Oh, you hi. <laughs> who's, the, who's the weird man, Dad? This is Daddy's friend. Can you say hi? Hi. All right, let's let Freddie How are you that. doing? Give me a hug. Give me a hug. <laughs> oh, okay, fine. <laughs> oh, thanks, dear. Oh. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, so it was um, it was that moment that he was like, you know, you I think Steve would be working here. I did the seminar. I did the tryout. And, um, you know, at the time, Jim Cornette was one of the higher ups there. He loved me, um, which I think um, I always appreciated because I just appreciate people that look out for me. I think that's great. But I think it was also um because of who Jim was and how he was viewed in the locker room I think I was always like made a Jim Cornette guy and so I think with some of the boys that hurt me whatever I don't care Jim did good things for me I understand why people have problems with him but he always did well by me um and so he was at pivotal Adam Pierce was uh still Booker at the time so he was pivotal in getting me there and then I just remember the next day um, this is all like, it's all crazy how everything's connected. The next day I did, um, the tryout was, uh, the day before. And then there was a ring of honor show the next day in Philly. And they picked me and, uh, Adam Cole to do the dark, the dark, dark match. We did the dark match. I thought it was a great match. He Cole thought it was a great match for where we were in our career. We came to the back and Jim Cornette said, congratulations, guys. You just got each other signed. And I was like, so me and Adam have always like been like this ever since that day. And it's just so weird to watch how our careers did that. And then to come together in the kingdom and then to do a WWE tryout together and then get told no together. And then just to see all his success. It's just like, you couldn't, like, I know this is about my career, but Adam is just, he holds such a special place in my heart because not only is he a huge star, you have a new dress on. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. a lovely dress. Look at you. That's a gorgeous. I nearly, I nearly wore the same dress. We would have clashed. <laughs> you look beautiful. It fits. Yeah, that's All right. great. Come on. My pumpkin. I'll be done soon. Don't worry. Um, and just about Adam, like just to see his success. And the thing that I love about Adam's success is he's been the same person his entire career. And he's just a great human. If you ever hear people talk bad about Adam Cole, it says more about that person than it does Adam Cole because he's just a wonderful human. And um, just it's just been so much fun. Like we've just been friends and then our careers went like this. We got each other signed and all that fun crap. We got to go to Japan for the first time together. It's just been awesome. And that's long story short, short that was my Ring of Honor tryout. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes, until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want Salon Perfect Nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. often do you and Adam uh, still catch up these days? Because there's, there's a lot going on in wrestling, and I don't know how much you guys chew the fat on what's happening where. So with me, I try to reach out to the people that I'm friends with that have, you know, at WWE or AEW. I try to reach out to them when shit's not hitting the fan. So I like yeah. to talk to them when everything's cool, calm, and collected. Because you don't want to talk to people you haven't talked to in a bit when shit's going crazy. It's like, no, leave me alone. I have to deal with this. You know shit's crazy. Just don't bother me. So when I reach out to Adam, it's like, I miss you. What's going on? How's this been? How's that doing? And we all stay connected. Taven and Adam are best friends. So Taven and Adam talk all the time. So I talk. Like, it's just like the reason why the kingdom works so well is because we all legitimately love being around each other. And like to this day, I know if I, me and Taven went to AEW, me, Adam, and Taven wouldn't miss a beat. If Adam came over to Impact or we all went to W, we wouldn't miss a beat just because that's the friendship that we had. We traveled the road together. We went to Japan together. That's just, that's a bond that you don't break no matter how little you end up talking to each other. You mentioned Matt Taven there, and he's somebody that has, um, that you guys have formed this incredible bond through the kingdom and through the work that you do as a, as a tag team at Impact now. Do you remember the first time you and Matt met? Yes, I do. Uh, I believe it or not, I actually had a small hand in uh, helping to train him because I think he started in, I don't want to get the date wrong, but I'm going to say 2008, 2009 sometime, I think. Um, it might have been a little bit earlier, but he came to Top Pro Promotions and started training under Spike Dudley and Ryan Drew. Excuse me. Um, and I just remember, I just remember seeing him and being like, oh, this kid has a ton of talent. I say kid, he's like two months older than me. Um, I'm like, this guy has a ton of talent. Uh, I think if I kind of helped him, um, he could have a very like successful career. So we started traveling to shows together and it ended up being not only did I like, was he super talented, but we were like two peas in a pod. Like we, we like our humor was the same. Uh, we liked all the same goofy, stupid movies. Uh, we had great conversations. We, we, everything we didn't agree on, we actually listened to each other and just talked to each other. Like Taven said it in a post the other day, and it's 100% true. I don't think we've ever gotten to a fight, like knock on wood. But anytime we disagree, I think we respect each other so much that we try to figure it out. And there's been plenty of times that we disagree. But I think at the end of the day, for some reason, even though we met in wrestling, our entire friendship has been wrestling. I think there's a level of us that's like, our friendship's bigger than wrestling. You know, like he officiated my wedding. Freddie and Carver call him Uncle Taven. He's my best friend, like full stop, best friend in the entire world. I would take a bullet for him and I know he feels the same way for me. And it's just one of those things that wrestling brought us together. But I think like, even if we didn't have wrestling, we'd still be best friends. And it was wrestling that brought you and Matt together. I believe it was cheese sticks that brought you and Maria together. 
wrestling and cheese sticks, believe it or not. All the things. Um, so we've talked about Adam and the, the wonderful relationship you have. Talked about how you met Matt. How, how did we how did you meet the the wonderful lady that just walked through the door during the interview like how, how did oh, you guys get together that is meeting her and what has happened with her in my life is still like a pinch me is this real type moment like i still wake up and i'm like are you sure like i i keep thinking she's gonna wake up and be like oh whoa this was all just a terrible dream <laughs> i need to leave now um <laughs> truthfully we um when we met we were both in terrible relationships. We were both with people, but they were god-awful relationships. And we met at a Northeast wrestling show for Michael Lombardi. And I just remember, I remember walking into the locker room. I was wearing some like sh shitty basketball shorts. I think I had on a Southern's Marsh golf course jacket where I was working at the time while doing Ring of Honor um, and a Ring of Honor cap on. And I just remember I looked across the room and I saw this beautiful redhead in a tutu. And I was like, that is the most beautiful woman I've ever witnessed in my life. Like, I know you're Maria Canellis, but you are, you're stunning. She's absolutely stunning. And I don't know what it was, but we started talking and we just hit it off. Like we just, it was like talking to a friend. It was like talking to a relative. We just started chit-chatting, joking, laughing. I don't have confidence when it can't, comes to talking to girls. But for some reason, I had confidence talking to the prettiest girl I've ever seen in my entire life. And I, we just started talking, talking, continued talking. And then as wrestlers do, you go out to eat after the show. And we, she says now she purposely sat across from me. I didn't know that at the time. But we sat across from each other at TGI Fridays. And I remember I ordered cheese sticks, mozzarella sticks. And I was like, oh, God. I'm trying to impress Maria Canellis. I can't just start eating these with my hands. So <laughs> I'm sitting there, I get these cheese sticks and I start cutting them out very delicately with a knife and fork. And I'm talking to her and she's talking to someone else. Everyone's talking. And then she stops the conversation and looks at me and she's like, are you eating mozzarella sticks with a knife and a fork? And I'm like, yes, why? And she's like, just eat them with your hands. And I was like, Oh, okay. Thank God. So I start eating them <laughs> and we just talk and we're hitting it off the whole night and I'm oblivious because I'm dating someone. She's dating someone. And then, uh, I get in the car and me and Taven get in the car to drive back home. And he just looks at me and goes, so Maria Canellis was hitting on you. What do you think? And I was like, really? Was she? I'm oblivious. He's like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. But again, we were both talking to other people at the time. We were both in miserable relationships. Um, and so I, a few months go by and I just randomly sent her a message on direct message on Twitter. And I was like, you know, trying to be funny. I was like, Hey, just ate some cheese sticks. Would have been nice if you joined me or something stupid like that. And, uh, she got back to me and we started chit chatting and we had both broken up our relationships. And then we started dating. Like we, we just, it just was, I, you just have a connection with certain people. And with her, it was just like, I was like, you were supposed to be in my life. And I felt like I was supposed to be in her life. And uh, truthfully, we've been together. We've been married for eight years and um, we've been dating since 2011. So 11 years now, like she's my best friend. I look at her now the same way I did when I first started dating her. I think she's the most beautiful woman on the planet. And not only that, but now that I got to know her, I think she's also the most intelligent and the smartest human I've ever met. And it's just, now I have a family with her and I, I'm just in on that aspect. That's why I say pinch me because I couldn't be more blessed. It's the greatest love you've ever known. It's, it's the, the music fits. I can hear it playing now. <laughs> like, when she walked into the room, I that, that music needed to play. <laughs> it should start on a little, a little starter as the door opens. It has yeah. to, it has to make that a thing. Um, they, they say like the, the, the lo love perseveres through and, and it's tested through like really rough times. And obviously you have been very vocal about some of your darkest of times. Uh, I have no doubt in the answer to this, when I say this, but, um, like how much of a, of a support network was Maria during that entire thing? everything she yeah. was she my wife was legit everything uh i did an interview the other day and we were talking about when like i hit rock bottom and when i decided to tell maria i think i have a problem and i was recalling i think what i said to her was i have a problem i don't want to die and i think i'm going to die and and i just remember 
like this woman who I've lied to about my addiction and have drained our bank account for our, my addiction and, and everything just had no, no good reason to stick by me. No good reason. Like I, I wasn't the breadwinner, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't like being pushed to the moon at WWE. There was, there was nothing that said to her, you deserve to stick with this guy and, and or, or he deserves you to stick by him. And she did. And like, I just, I tell people to this day with, and I mean it, and I, I know it sounds dramatic but, and over the top. And I know wrestlers can indulge. I get it. I try not to, but in this case, this is the God for honest truth. I don't think I would be alive if it wasn't for her at a certain point, this shit would have caught up to me and it, it wouldn't have ended well because it doesn't end well for wrestlers. And so she saved my life. And she was the most important thing that ever happened to me. And to this day, she's given me two of the greatest gifts I could have asked, asked for and my two children. And like, to this day, she motivates me and inspires me. Like, I'll have a really good match and I'll come to the back and she'll be the first one to fucking pick it apart. And I love her for that. I absolutely love her because I know where she's coming from. She's going, yes, that was good, but I know there's more. And that's what people that love you tell you. That's great, but you have more to give, so give more. And you know it's coming from a real place. And like, yeah, I, I just sometimes she makes me speechless because I just she's just she's she's the greatest. <laughs> there it is again. It keeps there coming it around. Um, it, there it is. When it with with a partner and and something like this coming out, there's always sometimes they already know. Um, do you think Maria already knew? She had an inclination something was happening. She didn't know what it was, but she knew that we were not on the same page and that I was uh, keeping something from her. And uh, she didn't understand what it was, but I think when I finally told her it was a drug addiction, it all made complete sense. She totally understood at that point. She's like, yep, everything adds up. That makes sense. And uh, yeah, I tell you what, once I got sober though, it's been been smooth sailing I, I i love sobriety man it's great and you've been a force for good a force for great actually uh, as you. a as a motivational speaker for people in similar situations <clears throat> what i love is is the stuff that you do uh, it transcends wrestling a great case in point is um when i'm not doing this uh, i'm a radio presenter on the bbc and so I've got like a, so my Twitter is weird for some people. Cause it's like sure. loads of wrestling stuff. And then here's what we're talking about on the BBC today. And, uh, you, you get people who cross over and I had a friend who I met through the BBC called Claire and she does, um, uh, half marathons and she's doing the great North run here in the Northeast next week. And she said, I don't understand the wrestling thing. I don't understand all the wrestling stuff that you post, but I really like Mike Bennett. I love that. That's yeah. so cool to hear. She was, she was so inspired by like the, the words that you said and the passion that you spoke with it. And she said, even though the wrestling stuff, I don't quite understand. Like I, I get this and I hear this and it's amazing to hear. So that's what I mean when I say it, it transcends just like wrestling fans. It's other people that come through. Um, that's that's that, like <laughs> I truthfully that that moves me that touches me because like I didn't start doing it for that reason I started doing it just to hold myself accountable it's everything I, I post is self-talk before I post it so it's all keeping stuff that's going on in my brain all shit that's hitting me at the time um and just to hear that, like it's now it's now transcended into this idea where I'm like, I feel like I have an obligation to do it. It's a responsibility to if you have a platform to use it responsible. And that's what I look at. And um, just to know that it's touching people in wrestling, but outside, it's just I, I'm blown away by it. It's it's so cool. And she'll be one of, of no doubt many that have that have kind of gone. Oh, I like what this guy's saying. I hear what this guy's saying. Um, what's, where do you see it going? Like, where do you, where do you see this particular part of your life taking you? I honestly, um, the goal is for, I'm 37. So, you know, my mindset, like, it's crazy. I'm 37, but I'm a 21 year veteran, which just doesn't usually compute that way. But because I started so young, that's how it works. So I think I have a lot more to give wrestling 
but I'm also 37. And so I know it, like as my good friend Tim Storm once said, uh, there's more years in the rear view than there is in the windshield. And like, that's just the facts for me. Whether I go on and wrestle another 10 years, there's still more, more years in the, in, the, in the rear view than the windshield. So I know at a certain point, I have to transition out of wrestling. I didn't know I would find something that I loved as much as wrestling. And I love speaking to people, helping people, anything I can do. I have found just as much passion in doing this as I have in wrestling. So for me, I think it's what I do while I'm transitioning out of wrestling and getting into this new phase of my career. Like it's, but in the meantime, I want to do both. I want to be able to wrestle and do the motivational speaking. And it just so happened. Like, I think the universe works in strange ways because I have luckily been able to intertwine my motivational speaking, strong style wrestling, Boston strong style into almost all the same thing and have it mean the same thing. And like, to me, it's just about continuing to do that. I still have goals in wrestling. I hated the way my WWE career ended. I hated it. That wasn't what I wanted. That wasn't what I set out for. I wanted more out of that. I'd like to go get more. I think me and Taven still have so much more to give to the, the tag team circuit. I'm not ready to give that up at all. It, it eats a hole in my heart that I never won the pure title. I just, that just is where I saw my, myself going right after WWE. I wanted to win the pure title. So there's still things in my heart and in my soul that I haven't given up on that I want to do. But man, I'd be lying to you if I didn't say like, I love, I love, love, love talking to people. I love helping people. I love that light bulb that goes off when they're like, I've never heard it put that way. I've never like, and I don't think I'm some, some genius. I don't think I'm some guru. I'm not a, a monk. Like I, I, I just, I've lived life and I've experienced a shit ton in the wrestling world. And I've seen the good and I've seen the bad in people. And I just want to tell people like, life is beautiful. Life is tragic. You got to embrace it all. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, more of that on Mike's Twitter, but, but uh, at, at, uh, in video form multiple times yeah. of the day uh, as and when it comes and then beyond that as well. I uh, want to dip back into the wrestling. You talk about you and Matt Taven being, you know, still having so much to do in the tag division. You're the impact tag team champions as part of honor. No more. It's quite an interesting one with honor. No more because like this is a faction that was born out of the death of ring of honor. <clears throat> and just as the faction is gaining uh, its momentum and its speed in Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor's re revitalized. It's it's reincarnated. It's it's sure. been it's been given uh, it's been given uh, shots with the the blasters by by Tony Khan. Um, what was the feeling uh, in amongst Impact when that all happened? You've got this sort of Ring of Honor uh, faction within Impact as Ring of Honor is coming back at the same time. You know, I think um, I think it adds more fuel to the fire because a lot of this group stems from real frustration. And I just kept thinking to myself, how what what is your main message? What are you going to what are you going to put out as a member of Honor No More? And my main message was I'm sick of losing my job, even though I'm doing my job to the best of my ability. I'm sick of other people controlling whether I lose my job because they didn't do their job correctly. And that always stuck with me. I was like, you get told to be the company guy. You get told to do things a certain way. You do everything that you're told. And then you're the first one on the chopping block. And it goes to us. It was always like, that doesn't make sense. Like, what, what am I doing all the right things for? If at the end of the day, the people that don't get cut are the ones stepping outside, stepping outside the box, stepping outside the line, towing the line, pushing the line. But the guys and the girls that do everything they're told are the ones that are getting chopped first. You were just like, this is annoying. And so I think when Ring of Honor got purchased, the way things went down on the Ring of Honor side, it was like, oh, so you guys knew this was happening all along. Not on Tony Khan's side, but on the Ring of Honor side, we were like, oh, so you guys knew this was happening all along. You were just waiting for the right time to give the company away to somebody. And I think it was that mindset of like, once again, we feel like we were on the short end of the stick. And it's like, we gave our heart and soul to Ring of Honor. Taven gave 
everything to Ring of Honor. That was his life. I had left and come back, but I loved it so much. Kenny King gave his heart and soul, PCO. And it's just to be like, now you're just going to be like, thanks for everything. See you later. And having felt like that just happened to me and my wife a, a year earlier, it was just like this frustration. But man, I'll tell you what, life has a funny way of twisting things. And I know it sounds crazy, but getting fired twice and then starting back up at Impact made me a better wrestler, made me a better performer, made me a better person, made me a better dad, husband, worker. When you appreciate everything you're given at the moment that you're given it, it just changes your whole perspective. And I just, I was angry when I got fired by WWE. I was less angry when I got fired by Ring of Honor because I could, I could uh, comprehend it a little more. I could digest it a little bit better. But right now, I'm not angry at all. I'm glad it happened. I'm thankful it happened. It led me in this direction where, where I'm at in wrestling, where I'm at financially in my life may not be where I want, but where I'm at up here, I think the world, the sky is the freaking limit for me. And I wouldn't change anything. Wouldn't change anything, man. Was there ever any sort of issue regarding uh, the Honor No More faction with the Ring of Honor Rebirth? Because I know that Impact and ROH had a working relationship uh, briefly, ever so briefly. Uh, and Impact and AEW had one for a bit longer. Uh, sort of what's the situation with Impact and AEW now? No, I mean, as because... I don't, I don't necessarily think it was like a FU ring of honor. I know because always... you started that long before, like the, the, the idea of ring of honor being born was even a thing. Yeah. And so I think it was more like the way the group transformed. It was like, here's these group of guys and this girl that if you break down their career, you'll be able to see over time that the industry has kind of screwed them up a little bit, has kind of messed with them a little bit, has constantly toyed with them. It just so happened that getting fired from Ring of Honor was the final catalyst. And we were all in Ring of Honor and it all kind of happened. And um, But as far as I know, AEW and Impact have been working together great. I mean, you saw that Frankie Kazarian came over and did all that stuff, which was like, he was awesome. Had some killer matches. We had an awesome six-man tag with him and the Motor City Machine Guns. Um, and then Vincent went over and did stuff for Ring of Honor. Um, and Gresham was doing stuff for us. Like, I think the relationship was there. And I think it, the, I don't think the gimmick was ever a shot at Ring of Honor or Tony Khan or anything like that. Cause like you said, it started way before that. Um, I, I think it was just an understanding. This is the group. This is what they stand for. And to me, I think it, I think Honor No More showing up at an AEW or Ring of Honor show would be so badass. Like here are these guys that feel like outcasts that you haven't included in the new Ring of Honor. Here they are like, Hey, what about us? What's going like? I think that stuff writes itself. I would love to do it. Here's my 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 olive branch to Tony Khan. I think Honor No More should show up and wreak havoc. I like the idea of that. I I, Me I too. like I like the AEW one. I especially like the Ring of Honor one. It yeah, feels like like another generation of Ring of Honor stepping in to go. What's this new generation all about? We don't like it. Let's rip the place apart and let's take it over again. Let's take control oh, yeah. once more. We're gonna see. We see more of that now. Which I'm. I think I, as a wrestling as a wrestling fan, more than anything else, it's exciting that you see. Yeah. Um, with the the word forbidden door has been sort of singed at the uh, singed at the hinges this year because it's been used so much. I mean, is, if it if it isn't that what wrestling does with everything? This is yeah. something good. Let's just. <laughs> yeah. Drive it into the freaking ground, man. <laughs> but I, but the, the concept of it, rather than the wording of the fact that promote, uh, you can see wrestlers popping up in one place to another, to another, to another. I think the new regime within WWE could certainly potentially open a door there. We were talking, if you don't mind me saying, we were talking before we started. Uh, and uh, the general consensus that you get from friends there is that WWE is a really good place to be right now and a creatively exciting place. Yeah, it, it, it just, um, man, if the wrestling world didn't flip on its head and then flip on its head again within the last two years, like, I don't know what did. Man. The last it's, two weeks, it, let's be fair. <laughs> dude, I'm telling you, it's been insane. And like we, we talked about before, I, um, I loved working for Triple H. I, I did. I, I, he, he gave me the best parenting advice when I had our daughter. Like, 
he, he said to me in the gorilla position, asking me about Freddie and how things were going. And he's like, you're just trying to figure it out, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. He's like, well, none of us know what we're doing. And he was like, and you know what's even crazier to think? Your parents didn't have a clue what they were doing when they had you and your, your brothers and sister. And I was like, oh, damn, that's probably true, too. Like, oh, crap, we're all just trying to figure this out. But man, he was the only one that reached out to me and talked to me when I asked for my release publicly. He called me, he chatted with me, he brought me down to NXT, tried to give me a new birth down there with Tony Nese and doing stuff like that. I, he would always be open to talk to me. Um, and he just, I just haven't, I, I, he was a great person to work for. So I can see why it seems like maybe they have turned another leaf. And I hope so, because like I said, I feel and I, I don't know what anyone else feels, but I don't really care because it's my life and what I want to do. I feel like I have unfinished business there. My dream was to be a WWE wrestler. That dream doesn't go away just because you have a lousy experience with one guy. It just doesn't. You still always have that itch in the back of your head of like, yeah, but there was a reason why you wanted to. There was a reason why 10,000, 15,000 screaming fans when Mick Foley won the world title, that didn't change. That feeling doesn't change. That still happens there. And it happens at that company all the time. So it's just like you kind of put the pieces together and you start to feel really good about the direction of pro wrestling when you have someone that you think is going to run the ship correctly. And I, I just, man, that interview Triple H did the other day that I, I, don't, I don't remember what channel it was on, man, but I sat and watched it for an hour. And I was just like, that sounds like the Triple H I remember. And sounds like a dude that you know, I wouldn't mind working for. Now I love working for impact, but like I said, the wrestling world flips on its head a million times. Who the hell knows what a year looks like from now? I was going to ask you um, if you're familiar with the concept of a champagne problem, a champagne. Pro I've heard the term explain mm. it to me. when like you have to make a, a decision down the line, despite the fact that you're incredibly happy, but there's yeah. a decision that's like, whatever I choose, it's brilliant. It's a, it's like, it's a champagne. The idea of it's a difficult decision. It's a, it's not a, it's not a problem. You have to make a decision, but it's a really good problem to have. Like right. it's, it's a champagne problem. So like, I was going to ask whether you'd be open to like the champagne problem of in a few years time, you are smashing it right now in impact wrestling. And I genuinely think impact wrestling continues to be one of the best wrestling properties in wrestling right now, week to week. They are putting on some fabulous, entertaining shows and so with and i say that when i say having said that even a few years down the line and triple h is running the business and he he offers you the chance to 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 finish off the last few chapters of your book would that be a champagne problem you'd be open to having to oh 100 percent, 100 1 million percent um i am in the place in wrestling where like i think all doors are open and I'm never going to shut a door or close a door. Um, and I'm glad you touched on impact because I don't think it gets talked about enough. I just, at a time when what felt like ring of honor shut the door on us, like right in our face and pulled the rug out from underneath us. Impact was right there and gave so many of us jobs and handed us TV time and gave us good TV time, a great spot. And it's just like, I don't forget that. And I try to be loyal to those people. Like if Scott Demore called me tomorrow and was like, I need you here, I would be there. I like I, there, there's certain people in this industry that you do that for. And at this point where I'm at, Scott Demore is one of those people. Impact Wrestling is one of those places because of what they did for me and my family right when we got fired. That never goes away. Having said that, there is always where the wrestling goes and you still have to look at it from a business standpoint. I have a family to take care of and I have bills to pay and a mortgage to pay. And I have dreams that exceed impact wrestling. So 100% if triple H were to call, I would give him the time of day because like I said, I loved working for him and I would keep anything open at this point. I would love to go work for Tony Khan. I would love to go work for triple H. I love working for Scott Demore, but I really want to go back to Japan. If anyone's listening, oh, I want to go back to there Japan. it is. So bad. So um, that's my first step. And then, man, I would love to work for Triple H. I, I would. I think. I think he he understands wrestlers. He understands the things we have to go through. But more importantly, which really goes a long way with me, he understands wrestlers that have families 
And I just, that goes up an incredible long way with me. So yes, I would love that champagne problem. Let's get to your third and final match, Mike. So we've had uh, Mick Foley versus Edge at WrestleMania. We had Kabashi Joe at Ring of Honor. What's your last one going to be, sir? It is, um, I think you will appreciate this because it took place over in the UK. It was uh, Brian and Nigel in the unified match. Um, I, if there's a more perfect wrestling match, show it to me because that thing had everything. They, like it was entertaining, it was pure technical, it was hard hitting, there was blood, there was dot. Like it, there's just there's nothing that touches it. And like I could watch that match every single day and find something new that those two did. That like that is the match when I tell people like, oh, I want to go out and have these twenty to thirty minute matches. That was the match I was talking about. I want to have matches like that. I want to go out there and leave everything in the ring because when I was a drug addict for five years, I was not leaving everything in the ring. And I feel like I owe it to the wrestling industry and I owe it to myself to have those type of matches. When I go on the indies, I treat every match like it's my WrestleMania match. It's my unified match because that's how I feel. And not only that, but I owe it to my, my the guys I'm wrestling because a lot of times I get brought to these indies and the guys that I'm wrestling look at the matches against me as their breakthrough match. And I don't, I take that very, very importantly. I take pride in that. I go, you want to have a killer match that people talk about? Fuck yeah, I do too. Let's go do it. Because if I can elevate myself and elevate you at the same time, we're good, man. And that like, and I don't know why that match particular is the one that like I, I hone in on. And I'm like, this is the match I want to have. But like, just watching Brian, just watching Nigel, where they were in their careers. And I just, I respect guys that leave everything in the ring. When you're just like, I'm not going to phone it in today. I'm not going to take a day off. I'm going to give these 10 fans or these 10,000 fans every little bit of money that they paid to see. I'm going to give it to them. I love that shit, man. Like that, that just drives me nuts. I think it's the best thing in the time. That's pro wrestling. That particular match, I'm just checking my notes here because I'm going to be writing about that very match in a, in a week's time because it's coming up to, I think, if my notes are right, I think it's the 20th anniversary since wow. that match. If it's not the 20th, it's certainly nearby. Uh, I, be close. Yeah. It's something like that. It's the, uh, the, I, the Liverpool Olympia, it, I seem to believe it is. It was the Liverpool Olympia. And uh, it was, it was the, the shock in the room from what I recall, because it was Danielson ended it by just elbowing Nigel McGuinness in the face until it went out of fashion. And and, and to do that in the UK, uh, and as we saw just the other week, the reason my voice is shot to pieces, it's having that bravery of having a show where you've got an, an un, uh, you know, uncompromising super baby face from that area lose. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just wow it's it when it i know like from state to state it happens in in america quite a bit we see it like we see a punk in chicago and places like that um but in the uk i think last saturday it, yeah. it, it hit different and I, and I don't know whether you watched the match but the the crowd like i was there and i've never been in a live crowd like it like so pro drew mcintyre sure and it's but it's 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 there's there's time that's done when it's terrible and then there's times when it's done when it works and like i think for a long time it was there were moments when it was done just to do it and it didn't work but i think with brian and nigel i think with drew it worked yeah. hi sweetie how are you oh you're just getting your shoes okay sweetie <laughs> is that another new dress that's three She's wardrobe, three wardrobe changes is coming home. Honestly, she does. She loves to show off her clothes. <laughs> it's a lovely dress. It's a lovely dress. Look, my guys, we can tell you've you've got a wonderful family that I'm going to keep that I'm keeping you from. So uh, we're going to call time here. But I'm so glad that we managed to spend an hour together today uh, and chat about everything. Um, I'd like to uh, ask you one final question before I do. Please. Where can people find you online if they want to keep up with everything you're doing? How can they do so? Yeah, um, follow me on Twitter at Real Mike Bennett. Uh, follow me on Instagram at The Real Michael Bennett. And I have a TikTok, Be Real with Mike Bennett. Um, you can I put all my emotional, uh, motivational videos up on all there. 
follow me. Just watch Impact Wrestling. Watch NWA. We just got done with a, a lot of cool tapings with them. Um, and check out my wife's promotion, Women's Wrestling Army. She's crushing it every single week. Good husband. See? Good well, I am very well, smart. Well, well if, if you have time at some point, Maria, we'd love to invite you on to Cultaholic Island to talk all about it if you, if you have time. Oh, well, I appreciate it. Um, I am starting to do more interviews. The kids, they are cold. We, we just got fancy new ice packs. We're very excited. Oh, wow. Oh, yes. Um, so the kids just started up in five-day daycare. So I will be taking much more interviews. Um, I will have a little bit more time to myself. So I'll connect um, you guys. I appreciate it so much. Yeah, we'd love to. If you fancy it, we'd love to have you on. We'd love yeah, to. Yeah, no, I'll definitely connect you. I enjoyed this interview. Thank, so thank you. you. Oh, um, one more thing. You go. Let's take you back to 13 years old. Uh, young Mike Bennett watching Mick Foley go flying off Hell in a Cell. Uh, teeth missing all over the place. But you can go back in time and you can, with all the knowledge that you have now, you can give yourself one piece of advice to take forward in, in that timeline. What advice would you like to give yourself? It's uh, it's same advice I give myself in real life, in wrestling, in anything in general. Uh, I, say, I say this to myself on a daily basis. This too shall pass. This and it's pass. when you're in your lousiest moment, this will pass. When you're at the peak of everything and you're riding high, this too shall pass. Don't ride your high horse. Don't let yourself get too low. Life is steady as she goes and you have to enjoy the steadiness. I can't think of a better way to end that. Mike Bennett, thank you so much for joining us on Cultaholic Island today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, dude. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic Wrestling News.